can we just give it up? Like, our, our gal running announcements, she just absorbed that Mike L for me. She, like, laid down her life, like, just for the speaker. As a guest speaker, it's always, like, totally humiliating when, like, the mic doesn't work and it's just an awkward start. So let's give it up. That was, that was Carrington crushed it. Thank you, Carrington. You're a boss. Uh, well, I, I, there's a lot of new faces I haven't, it's been a little while since I've been here. Y'all have grown since I've when it was, have been here last, which is pretty cool. Um, my name is Ryan. I'm the, uh, a student minister, youth pastor over at Legacy Christian Church down in Olathe. So I'm used to talking to people who are like 12. So um, if, if I do some erratic, strange things, I just kind of, I have some bad preaching habits due to that. Um, but thank you guys for, for having me in the house, especially talking about a, a kind of a serious topic about dating. I mean, it's a huge deal. Um, it's a privilege to get to uh, come and, and be a part, part two of this series. If you haven't been to the, the ones before, I'm pretty sure you can check out the talks online and stuff. Um, and then there's going to be a couple more, so you guys have to come back um, moving forward. But today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, some dangers in dating. Um, but uh, we're going to be talking about the dangers in dating thirsty. So I have, a, I, have a, I have a question just to get our minds spinning on that topic um, tonight. Is when you are super thirsty, when, think about like when you're like dying of thirst, what is your favorite drink? What is your drink? You feel like this guy, you're like, I'm going to die. I'm out in the beating sun. Maybe you're mowing the yard, working out, any, any CrossFitter type people in the house. You're like what is your go-to like hydration beverage other than water? So let's, you know, make it fun. Talk, talk about that with your neighbors. What's your go-to? What's your drink? All right, let's reel it back in. I'm, uh, I'm sure that you guys have some, some tasty beverages. My go-to hydration drink is Hoist. Has anybody ever drank Hoist before? It claims to be 110% more hydrating than water, which I think is chemically impossible. But I roll with it. It's very tasty. It's like military. It's like what the Army uses, but one of our friends at the church sells this stuff. So I'm pretty sure I just got upsold by one of my volunteers to buy really expensive Gatorade. But it is really, really good. Um, I, maybe you can think of a time in your, in your life when you like, just try to think of the time you've been the thirstiest you've ever been. Um, I went on the coolest backpacking trip ever. Um, I, I was a K-State student, any K-Staters in the house. I called out Nick Swearingen because he was one of my closest friends at K-State and he's wearing a KU hoodie today. I said, take that, uh, maybe, I, I don't know, is crap a bad word? I said, take that crap off. Is that bad? So I was on it, that, but my last spring, anyway, back, yeah, reel it back in. Um, uh, I was on my last spring break of college with some buddies, and what we decided to do was to go to southern Utah to do a backpacking trip. I'm like, this is going to be epic, it, and it was totally awesome. I did zero planning. I'm not like the most outdoorsy guy. I had the wrong shoes, wrong backpack, like a 20-ounce water bottle. It was awesome. And we were like, okay, we're going to do a 12-mile ruck in. We're going we're gonna, to you know, camp on the Colorado River and ruck out. And I'm like, awesome. And I'm run out of water like six hours into this hiking trip. And I'm like, oh, I am screwed tomorrow. And like we got to the base of the Colorado River to camp, and I was chilling, and we were kind of sharing. But then like every one of us started to run out of water. And there was only one of us that brought a filtered water bottle. And like the Colorado River was kind of low. It's like, it was like dark brown. 
you know, and it, it was like a moment, like when I woke up, the ne- you know, like morning thirst is like, Duh. you know, it's like a different type of thirst. And I like looked at the word, I'm like, I, there's no way I should ever drink that. But like, I thought for a second, I was like, I'm so thirsty. I like, I have to, I, like, I need to get a drink. Fortunately, one of my buddies lent it to me and I was incredibly dehydrated for the rest of the hike. It was awesome. Highly recommend the, the trip. But I had this moment where like, I almost drank something that was gonna basically poison me because I was that thirsty. And what we're talking about tonight, you know, you're like, why are we talking about hydration? Um, Because we're gonna be looking at a story where Jesus uses this idea of of thirst uh, to kind of draw someone into a moment to talk about a spiritual reality that's going on in their life. And I think for us, sometimes we can do some, some bad things when we're really thirsty or we're really hungry, and we can turn to some things to quench that thirst, like I almost did with the, the, with the river, that would have ultimately been really, really bad for me. And when we're talking about dating, I mean, it just is what it is. Like, we start dating because we're thirsty for something. Like, we're really thirsty for connection, and we're thirsty for, for, for intimacy. And that's not a bad thing. Like, that's a desire, I believe, that God has put inside of us, you know, to be fruitful and multiply, you know, after marriage, of course. You know, but, like, to, like, have this connection with other people and to have intimacy with others, and, and that, that desire inside of us is not bad. But if we're not careful, when we are dating and we let that, that, that drive and desire inside of us take us too far, it can cause us to drink from some things that can cause us some harm. And so what we're going to be talking about tonight are the dangers in dating thirsty. But we're going to be looking at a story in, in Scripture um, in John chapter 4. And this is a really famous story. Um, maybe any, any church kids in the house, like, like growing up, I've, we've probably heard a million sermons, you know, maybe on this. And maybe some of you guys have never been in church in your whole life and it's your first time hearing this. This is an amazing interaction that Jesus has with a woman um, at a well. And so if you're following along, um, it's in John chapter 4, starting in verse 5. We're not going to read the entire thing, but if you have, like, you version on your phone, or, or the scripture is also going to be up on the screen. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried, Jesus, sorry, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So here in this story, we have Jesus interacting with this woman. And the start of the the scenario is pretty pretty clear. Like, it's hot, Jesus is thirsty, he stops to get a drink. And and, and, and he interacts with this woman. And why is the woman drawing water for herself? Can anybody help me out? Why was she getting water in the first place? Exactly, yes, thank you. Yeah, not a trick question. She was thirsty. 
And, and, and Jesus does this. It's like one of the amazing things, if you've never really spent time reading the Bible or reading through the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is a master at taking these realities that we see in our physical world to reveal spiritual things about us. He does it in parables, he does it in stories, and here he's doing this in a life-changing conversation with this woman because he's not really talking about her physical thirst. And he's talking about something that's deep inside of her, a spiritual thirst for her soul for something more. And as we're talking about this topic of dating tonight, we're going to see and learn in a few verses that what this woman was searching for and what she was trying to quench that thirst with was with her dating life, was with the, the, the guys that she had dated and some of them that she had married. And because this is such a relevant topic to us, I don't know how many of you guys are single or in relationships or married or whatever, but, but there are some serious lessons that we can learn from this story that I, I hope we can take away. Um, and maybe almost as warnings for dangers in dating when we are thirsty for something more. The first danger that we see is that we could settle for a mirage. We could settle for a mirage. Does anyone know what a mirage is? And you kind of have like an image in your mind. Um, we can go to that next slide. Um, a mirage, this is a picture of an actual one um, on, on the left. But on the right is kind of like, you know, for like your engineer science nerds, like actually what happens. You know, it's like the sun hits you and it's something to do with the air. But it makes the ground ahead of you um, almost look like a pool of water. So it's a deadly thing in the desert because you're out there, you're thirsty, you're, you're like, especially if you're stranded. And then what can almost be deceiving, like, is that a pool of water over there? And it's an optical illusion that it's a lie that at a distance, that the closer you get, you realize isn't actually there. And I really believe that the woman in this story settled for a mirage of the men in her life. And I, I can, I'm... I'm I'm not trying to judge her, you know, looking at this story from, from the future looking back. But we see this in the text. In verse 15, it says, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus, he told her, Go and call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And I believe, you know, when, when we're reading these stories, it's, it's important to try to put yourself in the story and try to imagine what these characters are going through as, as real people. And I really believe that this woman, that she hadn't just maybe settled once and maybe gotten caught up in, a, in, in maybe a mirage of what a guy possibly was from a distance once, but it says that she did this multiple times. Like wrong guy after wrong guy. Like really an illusion. I mean, if you think about it, nobody date, none of you guys date somebody with the intention of, like, getting married to them and divorced with them, right? I mean, if you are, like, that's kind of your MO. But I'm like, I don't know anyone who's ever done that. I mean, you always go in with hopes. You're like, this is going to be the one, and this is going to make me happy. And then and what might look good from a distance, sometimes the closer you get, and you're like, oh, it's just not exactly what I thought it was. And you think about maybe playing back what was going on in her life. Like she was looking at this guy. She's like, yeah, he's a little rough, but, you know, God is good, and we can work with it. You know, like he's not going to, he's not, he's not going to worship with me now, but maybe he will. You know, and maybe he's not the nicest guy, but he'll come around. And you're trying to think through these, these lies that she was telling herself about building an illusion maybe for some of these guys that she was pursuing. And I don't know about you, but have you ever found yourself there? Where you were making up maybe a projection of what you wanted someone in your life to be that really was just an illusion. Because I think sometimes we can find ourselves almost spiritually in a desert, and I'm even thinking to go along with the illustration, a desert of loneliness. 
And I imagine that this woman was in a desert of loneliness in her life. I mean, we don't know. This is the only story that we have confirmed of who she was. But we clearly see this over and over again. She's lonely and she's seeking real intimacy and seeing these guys that she had no business being with over and over again, making them into be somebody that they weren't. And have you ever been there? Where maybe you've made excuses for yourself with people that, that are in your life. Where you've been in a season where you've been in the desert of loneliness yourself. And there's people around you and you're like, well, there might not be like the worst people in the world, but they're, I don't really know if they're maybe the, the best person that I should be talking to. And you make little excuses for yourself, right? And we settle and we compromise. And I think in our dating life, if we're not careful and we don't have a really clear target of the type of person that God has called us to be with, and really the type of person that, that we're supposed to be with. Because tonight, I'm not going to go into all the weeds of how to find the perfect person and, and all the, the, the keys to dating God's way perfectly. What we're really talking about tonight is us. Because what we have to get right and understand is if we're not in a healthy place and in a place that has our desires fulfilled from something more, we will try to seek that in something else. And I really believe that if we are not careful, these dangers and dating can pull us away from God's best for us. And it's just a reality, guys. Like, our minds can play tricks on ourselves when we get really thirsty and desperate relationally. We have done this. I mean, I've done this with people that I've dated in the past. Where I wanted them to be somebody that they weren't really. And I thought that they would come around. And, and, and I, I, I maybe thought that I was the person that was ready before I was. And I played tricks on myself. And I think one of our dangers is to not settle for this mirage of people who maybe look good from a distance. And just to challenge you to be asking and seeking God and saying, God, like, is there someone out there that's not just someone I could be with, but like, like who's the best person that you want me to be with? To not settle for anything but God's best for your life. Paul warns us about this, this idea of, of locking arms and yoking up, this picture of, of like two oxen pulling a cart, that idea of a yoke, um, is like that wooden bar that goes across your shoulders. But the translation of this scripture that I want to share with you in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I think says it better. And this is in the, in the message version, which if none of you guys have ever read that before, is a really like conversational version of the Bible. But I just thought this was so powerful about what Paul was saying about not, not pursuing and not dating people that aren't on the same spiritual page as you. He says this, to don't, he says, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not a partnership, that's war. Is light best with is light friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are. He's talking to Christians right here. Each of us is a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way: I'll live in in them, move into them, I will be their God and they will be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. And I think sometimes when we think about dating, we are really thinking about the damage that it could do to us. And that's true. And there's a lot of that that is true. But I think this scripture reminds us that dating the wrong person in settling and compromising for someone that isn't chasing after Jesus in the way that we're called to, that isn't maybe going to lead the charge in that area of your life, whether you're a guy or a girl in this room, that it has the, that has the implications of not just messing up with your life, but messing up your relationship with God. 
So a challenge and encouragement, don't compromise. Don't settle for a mirage or an illusion of someone. Avoid this danger in dating. Danger number two, we're going to be looking at it from this text, is that we, I think this woman found herself coming back to the same old, dirty wells. And I think if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves going back to the same old, dirty wells. And this woman here, her dirty well was a series of relationships that she shouldn't have been in. A cycle of bad relationship after bad relationship. And Jesus was the only person in her life in this time who was bold enough to say anything about it. But what about you? Just to do a little introspection, is there a dirty well in your life that you have found yourself coming back to over and over again? Maybe there's a specific relationship. Maybe there's a person that you're like, I just, when I get lonely, I go, I, I like talking to this person. And I know that I shouldn't. It's not good for me. For some of you, it's just a lifestyle of like serially dating person after person. And you're, you just keep going back to that, knowing that it's not good for you. And that it produces the same result over and over again. But you, we keep doing the same thing. For some of us, it might just be more private in our own world. We want the intimacy, but we're afraid of the whole connection part. And so we settle maybe for an addiction, maybe a sexual addiction in private that's trying to fill that same void. For others of us, it's an emotional thing where we settle to to have emotional um, connection after connection, never really being satisfied. And if you're anything like me, the problem is that we don't just go back to this old well and drink the bad water and get sick once, but we do it over and over again. And we get in a sin cycle. Reminds me of Romans chapter 7. Where Paul, I mean, he's like one of the, the, the greatest Christians and church planners of all time. He wrote most of our New Testament, the second half of our Bibles. And, and, and he even says this. He talks about like his own struggle inside of himself. He's like, I had this life that God is calling me to, but I had this old life. This, he talks about the life of the, the flesh. He's like this worldly, like my life is all about me. And he says that we're in a war, in a fight, in a struggle. And, and I love that honesty. I love that he says, like, I do the things I don't want to do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. He's like, I I struggle with this every single day. And he talks about daily having to recognize what are those things that could be sin cycles in our life. Old wells, bad patterns of sin that just keep coming back like a bad habit that we can't shake. I just want to challenge you to maybe be thinking and identifying what are those things in your life. And if we're not careful, this is a danger that can pull us away from God's best for us. Danger number three is that you'll stop hanging around community that can help. And this is a little, this is a little nugget that we can sometimes glaze over in, in these stories. Um, remember that note at the beginning of the passage when she was getting water? What time? Do you remember? Did anybody remember? If you've heard this story, you maybe have or maybe heard people teach or preach on this before. What time was she getting the water? Noon, yes, thank you. Which is kind of weird, right? You're getting water at noon in the desert? You're like, why would somebody do that? Like, culturally, that was weird. It's like you get up early in the morning, you go get your stuff for the day. But putting ourselves in the story, and even what Bible commenters have said, uh, people who have studied this passage um, at, at length before, I've said that she was probably doing that as a result of not wanting to be around people. That she knew that it, the, the other people in her small town that they, she knew what her reputation was, that she'd had a bad, a bad rep in conversation after conversation with people that she didn't want to face that shame and the guilt that she had for having been married five times and now living with her boyfriend. And that she decided to not even deal with that. And then she had a life-changing encounter with Jesus that changed everything for her. 
But really, that's what sin does in our life. When we are pursuing relationships in a way that, that, that is bringing sin into that place, what it does is it, it, it pushes people out of our life that can really speak real practical wisdom and can help you make godly decisions in that area of your life. I mean, I've struggled with this myself in the past. I mean, I think about, like, I did that for years. Like, I was the church kid. I grew up. I knew all the right answers. I'd heard this story a million times. You know, I I knew how to play. I knew how to go to worship and, and put on a face. But in private, like, I was all messed up. I had so much sin in my life. Like, I was addicted to pornography. I was, I, I was serially dating people because I felt lonely and I had this, like, deep insecurity of who I was and I was trying to fill that with relationships. And I never told anybody that. I was like, I don't want people to know. And I was really good at putting up a wall and going to a Bible study or a small group and saying the right answers and praying. But what deep down inside of me that nobody knew was that I had a loneliness inside of me that I was chasing to fulfill and a thirst in me that I was looking for in relationships that God was seeking to fulfill, that I never knew that. And it wasn't until I got to college and I was around people that really encouraged me by opening up to me and modeling for me that it's okay, like we're not going to judge you and that we're not going to just sit here and tell you why you're wrong, but to be around real people, to have real authentic community of people around me that would carry that with me people that I could confess what was going on in my life to. They're saying, like, I, I, like I, I don't know how to do relationships right. Like, I, I, it was, that was a big deal for me to admit those kinds of things. And I want to give guys like Nick and Luke Hoagland, who was leading worship, a, a shout-out. Like, those were guys that were instrumental for me. I met both of those guys my freshman year of college, who really changed my life and a series of other people by intentionally putting myself in community of people that could help show me and model for me, this is how to date God's way. Like, this is how to pursue relationships. I had hard conversations with people and who I invited in to, for them to say, like, I think you're looking for something here that God was meant to fulfill. And I had never had anyone say that to my face before, and I needed that. And that is found in community. This is a scripture that I think some of you, if you've been here before, have heard. It's James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I know that it can be embarrassing and shameful for some of you with your past. Like, I don't know everyone's story in here. I know that it can be scary. Like, if you're like, I've done a lot of stuff with a lot of people that I'm not proud of. Or like, maybe you've got some deep insecurities and things inside of you that you've been suppressing and you don't want anyone to know. And I just want to encourage you that like God has put people in your life that the block exists to get people. It's not about this. It's not just about a program and coming here and listening to a talk. It's about getting you around people that are gonna point you to the only place that can truly satisfy you, who is Jesus Christ. And people that can speak wisdom into your life as we're pursuing relationships and dating and, and man, who do I go out with and when was the right time and am I ready? Like, you, it's so hard to do that alone. And I, I, I can't help but read this story and imagine that this woman was struggling with that and she had no one else in her life but the guys that she was with at the time. And I want to encourage you that if you don't have community and you're wrestling with that, like they, they gave the, the, the Connect Center a, a, a shout out earlier during the announcements, like have a conversation with someone. You know, fill out the QR code on the screen. 
You know, chat with the person that you came with if you're not connected to a, a group or a Bible study or you don't have anyone that's spiritually mentoring you or that you can have some of these heart-level conversations about your relationships with because it's too important. You need it and it will change your life. Community will change the type of people that you date. It'll change how you do it. It'll change everything about your perspective about relationships. Danger number four is that I believe that we'll stop believing that anything pure is really out there. And I think this one's more subtle. And I, I might be reading too much into the story. I mean, but I, I think it's like interesting that Jesus has this note. He says like, you've been with five guys and the guy you're with now, he's not even your husband. You're just living with this guy. And I think the saddest thing to me is when I talk to people who have kind of given up hope on God's best for their life. I have so many of these conversations with people who are like, yeah, I get the whole like Christian lifestyle thing. I get the whole, you know, pursuing God and, and doing what he wants for your life and, and that. But it's like, I've just, I, I've gone too many years down this road that I can't go back. Like, I don't know how to do life any different. And we settle for this new normal of, of, of life that's, that's settled to do it culture's way. That's not even open to, and we, we can't even believe that God wants to do something new in your life and that you can experience something so much better than what you have. I, and there might be some of you here that, that, are, that are in a place where you maybe know what God's, the, God's word says a little bit on these areas. Like, it's hard to read scripture sometimes and see, like, we're called to stay away from sexual immorality. That we read through scripture and we're like, man, we're, we're called to keep the marriage bed holy, it says in the book of Hebrews, right? Like that we're not supposed to sleep with people that we're not married to. And it's like, young single adults, like, like that's hard. You're like, that's a tough truth to think about. That's a hard thing to, to see and, and see, man, is that, really, is that really realistic? Is it even worth trying? Is it even worth it? And I think that the woman in this story had given up hope. That she's like, it's not even worth, I, like, every time I get married, it's the same thing. I'm not even going to go there anymore. And if that's you in this place tonight, I just want to give you some hope. That what we believe in the gospel is that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die and rise again to give us new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this, that, that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The, the old is gone and the new has come. And sometimes we think about that and we think about like our spiritual life, but I'm saying Jesus died on the cross to give you a fresh start spiritually. He died on the cross to give you a fresh start in your relationships and how you look at dating, to change the way that you look at marriage. I know that there are some of you here in this room who have only ever seen bad relationships in your life. You have, you've never been around people who have dated healthy and your parents had a bad marriage or, or I don't know what your story is. I know that was part of my story growing up and I had never seen what it looked like to date and to be married God's way before. But Jesus came to give us a fresh start in that area. I mean, some of you guys like, might resonate with this scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, and you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. He's talking about people before they make a decision to follow Jesus here. In which you once walked following the course of this world. He goes on to say in verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And you're like, man, I feel like that's all I've ever seen is doing life like that. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I just want to give you some hope today. If you feel kind of like that woman at the well, 
where you have been hiding from community and you feel like God can't renew that area of your life and you're giving up hope and even trying to pursue relationships God's way, can I encourage you that God wants to give you a fresh start in that area of your life? Like that's why we do these kinds of things and, and preach these kinds of messages to give you hope and encouragement and to get you around people who can help you do that. So as we wrap up, I, I just want to share some practical applications. You're thinking, that's, I want that, but, but how, do we, how do we do this? Like, what do we do? I think first we need to cut off our access to old wells in our life. And I think this looks like two, th- two things. First, identifying and naming sin that's in your life, the, like things that you keep going back to. And just as we mentioned, getting the help that you need. And I know that that's hard. I know that it's tough admitting, like even just saying out loud to someone that you trust, you're like, I feel like I'm just dating the wrong way because I'm lonely. I don't know what to do about it. Like you have to put yourself in a really vulnerable place to say something like that. Like to admit that you're like, man, I've got some addiction in my life that I don't, that I'm, don't have a handle on. Can you please help me? To maybe say like, I've, I've been dating this person and I know it's a relationship that I need out of, but, but, but can you help me have that conversation? Like this is why God has given us his church in one another, in biblical counsel to help us get away from these old wells in our life. So I don't know what that is for you, or if that's an area of your life that you maybe need to stop going back to, but I would encourage you to think about that. And maybe one person, maybe before you leave here, write down a name in your phone, put one person in your mind that you can invite into that space to encourage you in this area of your life. And the second thing, which I think is the most important, which is where Jesus landed his conversation with her, was to drink from the only well that will give you satisfaction, which is found in a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, there's a short part of Psalm 42, which is a powerful scripture um, about the presence of God. It, it says this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? I think deep down what we all desire and what we're all really searching for, whether that's in a relationship or ultimately just with our whole life, is to be deeply satisfied. I think that's what everyone wants. I think everyone deeply wants that. And I love David's life, like that we get to take a look in his life and some other books in the Bible because we see that he pursued that in a lot of other areas. There's a whole story that we're not getting into tonight about how he chased after a relationship that left him broken. And over his whole life, he kind of wraps up his story, writing the book of Psalms, reflecting on the goodness of God in his life and how there's nothing that satisfied him like the presence of God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about God like that, about being able to satisfy you in that way, but I want to encourage you that God wants to fill a thirst and a hunger in your life like nothing else. This is, how, this is how he had a conversation with the woman at the well. And he goes on to say in John chapter 7, almost paraphrasing what he said with her, that Jesus stood in a loud voice and said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The woman that Jesus met at the well that day had an experience with him in that moment that deeply satisfied her. And it changed her. There's this little nugget and note in the story when you have more time to go read it. It says that she left her water jug at the well. 
And what she did is that she went to the town and she told everybody that she knew about Jesus who satisfied her in a way that she had never experienced in her life. And it says that many people in the town believed and were saved because of her testimony. And just like the woman that day, I just want to encourage you that Jesus is offering each and every single one of us that same promise. And whether you're here and you're following Jesus and you've maybe drifted away and you're like, I just feel like I'm not satisfied in my relationship with God. Or maybe you're here and you realize you're like, I I need to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have that. I've never experienced God like that in my life, but I want to at least start exploring what that could be. Or maybe you're here and you realize that you've been drinking from a well that's been not satisfying you for a long time. I don't know what your next step is, but I want to encourage you to take that. I'm going to invite the band to come up right now. Um, and I just want to encourage you guys, just as we're, we're coming into a, a time of reflection and worship for the next few moments, just to be doing some reflection on yourself. In this area of dating and relationships in our life, I think that we need to have an honest conversation with ourselves about what we're, seek, what we're seeking after and what we believe will ultimately satisfy us. And if there's anything that you can hear from me today, I want to encourage you to drink deep from the well of Jesus Christ. To spend daily time with him, to, to, to seek after him, and to, to, say, to make a commitment, whatever that looks like for you, to say, I want to be satisfied in my relationship with God before any relationship in this world. I remember I was in college, and um, I went through a hard breakup my junior year, and my, my parents were going through a lot at the time, and I just, I was depressed. And, and I remember having a moment in a quiet time. I was reading the book of Philippians, and I, and I read the story of, of the Apostle Paul and how he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he has this conversation with God where he's writing in this letter, and he's like, you know, like, I, I just kind of want to go and be with God in heaven, but if there's more work for me to do, you know, that's okay. And, he's, and he talks about, goes on later in the book to say how he's like, I can, I'm good with anything. He's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's like, if I have plenty or if I have nothing. And I was so challenged. I looked at my own life and like, I was like, I'm not satisfied, God. Like, I was following Jesus, but I was so just, I felt empty. I was like, I don't have the relationships that I want. I don't, I feel like my friendships aren't what I want. And and I feel like, you know, my, my family situation isn't what I want. And I just felt like I was empty. And I felt that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me loud and clear. He says, you, Ryan, you need to learn how to drink from the well of eternal life that's living inside of you. He says, right now, it's in there. It's just like a little stream. He says, but you need to claim that promise that God will put in you a spring of living water that will never run dry. And that changed me, and I made a decision. I was like, I just can't date anybody for like a, a, the next year. It wasn't like a, a, a thing that, like, I, it was, it, that anybody challenged me to do. I just felt like I was like, I'm gonna make a commitment and draw a line in the sand to drink deep from the well of Jesus for this next year, to find my ultimate satisfaction and my joy, not in a relationship, not in anything else that this world has to offer, but in Jesus Christ. I wanna encourage and challenge you, whatever your next step is tonight, to take that. Let's pray. God, I am just um, wanna pray a prayer over this room of everyone here. I don't know where they're all at, God, in their relationship with you, maybe the things that they've been turning to in this area of relationships to satisfy them. But God, I pray that we would seek you first above everything else. God, whether it's someone's first time and they have no idea how to have a relationship with you yet, but they're just curious and they're searching, God, I pray that you would 
speak to them tonight and reveal to them that, that you can satisfy the deepest desires in their life like nothing else can. God, I just want to pray for everyone in here who is following you but has just gotten a little dissatisfied and feels like they just need a breath of fresh air in their faith. God, that they would drink deep from the well of your presence once again. And God, for those of us here that are ready to make a decision to follow you and say, I want to have a relationship with a God that satisfies, that they would be bold and to have a conversation tonight. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.